This is a special edition of the Technopanic podcast where we focus on COVID-19 social distancing and what parents can do while their children are stuck at home with them. I play video games, Fortnite, Overwatch, Minecraft, cool math games, schoolwork, watching movies, watching TV, Mickey Mouse cartoons, Peppa Pig, social media, FaceTiming, YouTube. I only one. This is the Techno Panic Podcast. What's a podcast? Here is your host, my mom, Kristen Turner, and her friend, Ian O'Byrne. Welcome to the Techno Panic Podcast. I am your host, Kristen Turner, and I'm here with my co-host, Ian O'Byrne. And Ian has brought along some friends today because today's topic is how we are managing as parents and workers out of the home. So kind of wearing those multiple hats. And Ian, why don't you why don't you introduce your friends that you've brought along and tell us the context of how you are working and parenting from home. Uh, Kristen, it's good to spend some time with you again. Hopefully you're doing much better than when we last talked. I am here with my friends, Kirsten and Lydia. We're members of the Higher Ed Learning Collective. Uh, Kirsten and Lydia, can you introduce yourselves, please? Hi, my name is Lydia Kitts. I am a mom of two, so I've got a three-year-old who's going to turn four this month in April, and a five-year-old. So they have been in Montessori School in Kentucky for a while, and I teach at a college. It's called Union College, and it's in Barberville, Kentucky. I teach in our media communications program. So I teach visual communication, so graphic design, website design and development, and then also social media marketing and public relations. So, and also strategic storytelling, which is my personal favorite class. Um, But I have been trying to do this transition online, teaching everything online instead of just part of the time and doing that at home with two preschoolers. Sounds like you've got a lot going on, Lydia. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today for our topic. Yes, thank you. And how about you, Kirsten? Um, So my name is Kirsten Green. I'm an associate professor for literacy education at the State University of New York at New Paltz. Um, I primarily teach classes to teachers in training. Um, So I'm a teacher educator. I teach um, folks how to teach reading and writing. And also one of my favorite classes to teach is actually happening this semester. It's called teaching writing and multimodal text production. Um, So I um, am definitely one of the people in our school of education who's been leading the the conversation around education technology and tech integration. Um, And I'm so excited to be here um, joining the conversation today. And um, I have a five-year-old. Uh, he just turned five a couple weeks ago. We had a social distancing birthday, which was interesting. Um, and two weeks ago, two weeks ago today, um, have taken on a new literacy, uh, a new um, leadership role in our program. Um, I stepped into being coordinator for the literacy education program in the midst of all of this happening. So um, figuring out to ho- how to homeschool, how to continue on teaching my own classes and balance just the general you know, expectations um, of being a mom and a worker has been an adventure, to say the least. 
I gave a talk this week called The Greatest Adventure, and I think that we are all together in this great adventure just trying to figure it out, which is really what we talk about on the Techno Panic podcast, that we are living in a world that is unfolding around us all the time, and we never know from one day to the next what's going to happen with screens in our house or what rules we're going to implement. And I think right now during this shutdown, um, it's it, those all of those concerns are really uh, magnified. So, Ian, what is the higher learning collective the higher ed learning collective began as a facebook group with one and then a thousand and then three thousand and as we're recording this there's about twenty five thousand individuals um we are global for the most part we are in higher ed and it's a group of people that are trying to figure out how do you transition from face-to-face learning to online and distance learning and so we we have a, a group of 10 to 20 people that are not just parenting, not just trying to stay sane, but we're also building this group of educators globally and trying to support these 25,000-ish individuals as they make this transition. And so as we talk about balancing the in these times and as we talk about balancing screen time parenting juggling all our normal jobs i was struck by these two individuals and the skill and the uh the the strategies and the practices that they use to try and find some sense of balance and so i wanted to bring them on to talk a little bit about what they do, what works, what doesn't work, uh, and what are some of the bigger questions? Because I think if we can learn from them how to try and find balance in these times, then when things get back to normal, we can hopefully do a better job. Well, thank you so much for bringing them to me today because I've been asked several times over the last two days, how are you doing? Or to get involved in yet one more thing because I I feel like I am also supporting a a lot of people in this uh, new situation that we're in. And I keep saying, I, I just can't breathe right now. I feel like I can't breathe. There's just so much that has to be done. There aren't enough hours in the day. Uh, I don't have enough to give to all the people that need me to give to them. So Kirsten, you want to start? Like, what, what, are, what do you do every day? How are you managing your day and um, getting through social distancing? So I have to say that I, I um in this moment have been, um, definitely recognize the privilege that I have. My husband um, has been home. He typically works at a a museum as an art handler um, and has been home for a couple of weeks uh, since about March 13th, I think was his last day. Um, And he has mostly taken on the parenting work. Um, He's not been able to uh, teach remotely, or I'm sorry, work remotely. Um, And actually, we got some bad news this week. He was furloughed. So that'll add some interesting new financial tension to our situation. But um, because he's been just so incredibly accommodating, I've really been able to set up a schedule to accommodate the work that I have to do during the day, which is, I know not everyone has the, the, the luxury of being able to do that. And here we have Alan coming to say, <laughs> I don't always get alone time. Um, are you, are you taking a pond? Oh, okay, go ahead. Good thing that you're good thing with five-year-olds is they can do that on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I noticed very quickly um, 
as this this became the new normal staying at home, um, really began to realize that unless I put in scheduled time throughout the day, it's just days are going to bleed into one another. The weekend bleeds into the, the work week. Um, and at first I was not taking any breaks at all. I know you want to hear from Lydia as well, but really I feel like making a schedule throughout the day has been really important hitting pause, making sure to get up. I've, I noticed the first couple of days, my ankles and feet started to really um, start to ache. Um, I've just been sitting nonstop. So I've been trying to start every day with a, a quick 30 minute walk um, where I've actually started listening to podcasts, including yours. Um, Cause typically I don't have time throughout my day of a 10 minute commute. I don't really make time to listen to podcasts. So trying to have these markers, like making sure to stop for a snack mid morning, making sure that I take lunch, um, you know, walking around the house. If I, if I feel like my feet are starting to ache. So little things like that, I've noticed I, you know, I need to make time throughout the day that are, that are, you know, specific times, make sure it's all carved out so that I don't just um, sit at my computer from 8am until 8pm, which I would do if I could. Um, so that's part of how I'm coping is making sure that we have scheduled breaks um, and alone time with my kid, I'm making sure that I, I get face to face time with him throughout the day. He's learning to read right now. It's killing me a little bit that I can't just be, you know, spend all day with him every day teaching him how to read. So I have to make time to do that. Um, make sure that I am reading with him and, and spending time doing what I love. You bring up an interesting challenge during this time, and that's the working from home where the kids are, but you actually are working. And they might not understand that you have to be at the computer and working. And so that's a whole other layer of tension that could be simmering around houses. Uh, so I love that you're saying like, let's schedule in some time for that play or for that interaction with our children during this work day. Really important. How about you, Lydia? We have been just trying to figure out that schedule. Um, we were on spring break and then we were on an extended spring break. And then this is the first week that my husband's been home. He's a Dean of students and he was still working in the office until like, I think Monday or something. And then he came home, but it's a really small college. So there was, the students weren't there. It was just him and three office mates. Um, but he still has to be on call all the time because he's working with students all the time. So helping them figure out just how to navigate all of this. And he's also organizing like a retention team. And that kind of means that he's in the basement in an office, you know, kind of sequestered and alone while I've got the kids up here. And um, like with, with me up here doing Montessori school, which has been crazy trying to figure out how to transition into that as just one person, but, um, and then teaching. And then I also, I forgot to mention that I've got my own business where I'm still working with clients and then now working with Higher Ed Learning Collective. So we're still trying to figure out what that schedule looks like. And for us, it's almost become a day by day thing. So we have Montessori in the morning and the kids like we do activities together but then they have their individual activities that they can do um, but we do lots of hikes we live in the mountains of North Carolina so we're able to go hike and still be on our property so we're we're still socially distancing we're the only ones there that are doing these hikes um, but that has been helpful just to get away from screens but I still find myself I take my phone and I'll be checking it to make sure that a student hasn't emailed me or doesn't need help or I've been helping faculty at my college and two other colleges transition to teaching and or teaching online rather they've been teaching um but to teaching online i've been kind of like this 
extra bit of support anytime somebody needs help or is having an issue that they've not been presented before. Like, how do you keep students from cheating on tests? Like, that is um, something that I've been helping other, other faculty at my school and other schools try to figure out and work around. But the kids are getting, they're getting frustrated too. They're three and five. Um, so really making sure that they get the attention that they need and that they crave, but also letting them know that it's okay to play by yourself. Like that's something that I think is a really important skill set that they, they are learning and they're learning how to do, how to play by themselves or with each other or to learn independently. There's this lady, um, her name's Bonnie Christine. She's a surface pattern designer, which she always says like, do one thing each day. And that's kind of what I've had to do for all of my different projects, for teaching in classes, for my business, for working with Higher Ed Learning Collective. I've just had to make sure that I have one thing that I'm going to do for each of those projects that day, and I'm going to get it done as quickly as possible. So kind of working in those margins of whenever somebody is quiet and not dragging their sibling across the floor with a dog leash, I will be working and trying to get things done and um, being able to easily go and break things up if I need to or give some extra guidance. But that's really been, we're still trying to figure out what that, like, what that schedule is going to be. And each day it changes a little bit depending on what has to happen. Um, luckily, they're being flexible with it and with me. I'm really thankful that we have the two of you on to talk about how you balance um, and one of the things that we're always interested in with the Screen Time Research Group is uh, the ways that we conceptualize, the ways that we think about screen time. And so Kristen and I joked in the last two episodes, there's almost like a pre-coronavirus screen time and then now. Um, we have concerns about screen time. Before this all happened, did you view screen time with your own children? And then has that changed now? Well, I would say that um, it's definitely changed. Um, we are a little bit more lenient about it at the, at the moment. And I, you know, it's funny to be um, a researcher of education technology and then also um, be a user of it, right? Um, and I want to just, I'm thinking right now of a sort of, um, mommy war that I started on my Facebook wall when my kid turned two, um, you know, being a literacy specialist, working with young children in our literacy center, I'm always thinking about what are some apps that can, can help enhance a child's learning and literacy. Um, and so I, I posted what at the moment or at, at the time I thought was a very innocent question. I was like, what do you all use with your two-year-olds on iPads? And, and I, people, you know, came with the sort of moralistic, like, how are you even exposing Alan to an iPad? Um, it was a very interesting moment for me as a parent. And other people came to my defense and, you know, a very healthy debate evolved around um, healthy screen time use and, and having... Um, not policies, but like, you know, having guidelines that you sort of live by as, as a, a family. And so we typically, we have before coronavirus, um, did allow Alan to occasionally use apps, um, often learning apps, you know, learning around number, about numbers and letters and phonics skills. We allowed him to watch almost any TV show that he really wanted, as long as it was age appropriate. He loves watching things about dinosaurs. He also loves, um, you know, PJ masks and, you know, has his cartoon favorites. But we typically would allow an hour and a half, uh, uh, sorry, not an hour and a half, but a half hour to an hour, depending on what, on how early he woke up, because the child 
has not always slept very long. Um, at the moment, he's sleeping till about 6.30, but his, his typical wake up time is about 5.30 in the morning. So sometimes we need to allow that hour to really just get through the morning. Um, we don't have a dishwasher. You know, there's things that have to happen in the morning um, to make sure that we get out the door on time. And we typically would all also allow him to have some screen time in the afternoon, um, usually after dinner or before bedtime. Now we do allow more than that. We're, he's probably getting between three and four hours, if not more, of screen time per day. And a lot of that is educational. Um, he is going to a, a half hour Zoom call um, most mornings, four days a week with his um, daycare class. He's also watching Mo Willems every day doing um, the lunch doodles. And, um, you know, my husband also needs breaks. I'm not available to step in and, you know, Alan will <laughs> come by and bug me when he needs, you know, he knows that he can sort of come in and, and bother me if necessary. And it's certainly not a bother. He's my, my son. I love seeing him throughout the day, but um, also knows that mommy's at work. And so um, sometimes the screen is a babysitter and that's sort of how things have to be right now in order for us to get through the day. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what all of you have to say. So pre-coronavirus, um, we were driving back and forth to Kentucky twice a week. So that was a six-hour drive that we had to, well, we still have two Kindles, and we would do like LeapFrog and have Netflix episodes downloaded and stuff like that. So at least twice a week, they were pretty much watching or interacting with the screen of some sort for an extended period of time just because I was driving. And that was an easy way to entertain. We would also sing songs too, but for the most part, they were happy to be doing their own things. Like pre-coronavirus, we did have like watching TV probably about an hour and a half, um, sometimes just an hour. It really depended on how nice the weather was and if we could be outside playing. Where we live, it's pretty cold, so hard to get outside. Now, we've got this weird situation where they're not watching TV. And... It's like I keep turning it on because like I need some extra some of that time to like okay can like let's watch an episode and like so I can come over here and work or do something in my office area and I'll look up and they won't be by the TV anymore. They have discovered playing with each other a lot more than they did previously. I think before they were going and they were playing with their friends that were like different ages and we live in a neighborhood in whenever we're in Kentucky that has like 18 kids all the same age within five houses of each other. So they would always be playing together. And then now it's just the two of them and they're forced to play with each other. Um, but there are some days where we'll have three to four hours. Some one time, like I got really panicky because we were at five hours of screen time and I was like tracking it like diligently the first week. And then now it's just kind of been like, okay, this is what it has to be. Um, we've been doing movie nights every night, which is something we never did before because my husband and I were living in different states half the time and the kids were with me half the time for that too. Um, so now we're actually all together as a family. Like we have been watching lots of movies, doing like lots of playing video games like Minecraft. The kids love that. So um, that has been something that we've been working on. The kids have also been um, continuing like using like leapfrog apps and a couple of other different things that we have, but their favorite is the procreate app where you can like draw and paint. They have been doing that on the iPad. Like they'll just go and get that whenever I don't have really the time to uh, set up a giant art area with like paint and leave them unsupervised with finger paints. So they really enjoy doing that with that procreate app. And um, then we can save their artwork and 
text it to all of the grandparents that we don't get to see right now, uh, which is kind of, that's one of the other things they've been FaceTiming or Zooming with their grandparents and aunts and uncles a lot more than we used to. So we've become almost a more connected family because of this and because we have access to the internet and screens. You um, both talk about all of these different uses of screens and Ian and I have talked before about whether all screen time is created equal and, and kind of the difference between creating using a screen, like you're talking about creating art or connecting using a screen, connecting with grandparents, or passively engaging in screen time. Um, and so this is something we, we are still, I think, as a research community thinking about, is all screen time created equal? Are there some that are better uses of screens than others? And as you kind of experience all these different kinds of screen time with your kids in your home, how do you feel as educators about your kids in all of this? Like, are there any concerns you have coming out of this on the other end? I think about the theoretical frameworks with education um, technology all the time. So I feel like my mind is always sort of going there and thinking about what does the research say? What do we know about what works and what doesn't? Um, I can definitely say that there, my child changes when he's been playing an hour of, we actually set up the Nintendo Wii that we, <laughs> you know, put away years ago um, during this time. Um, and after he's done like, you know, a half hour of bowling, even like he is really, really amped up in a way that he's simply not after watching Mo Willems, you know, and learning about doing a doodle, um, very actively. And so I, I do, I have lots of concerns about his attention, um, his ability to focus on, on things over time. And I have lots of concerns as schools have sort of, um, hyper um, hyper acceleratedly um, for lack of a better word adopted new technologies without really knowing what the research says about about the long-term effects so I do have lots of questions and um, lots more to learn about what 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 is what is happening to, to our society as we do spend more and more time on screens but I have lots of concerns about what is actually happening at the same time I'm really enthusiastic and excited about the innovation and what we can actually do um, with all of these technologies we have at our fingertips. Ian and I talk a lot about just being mindful about the practices because we don't know the long-term effects and I feel like we're living in this suspended animation where being mindful is hard. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I have to keep my kids out of my office, my home office, so I can get my work done and whatever it takes to just get them to stay there is what matters right now. And I can't necessarily care whether they're watching TV or playing video games or, or whatever it is that they might be doing. So I'm wondering if you have any specific tips or tricks for all of the parents who are working from home, uh, not just teachers, but you know any parent who's working from home and trying to help their children do the best that they can, but still get their jobs done. Um, and somehow, I'm not even going to pretend to think it's a balance, but somehow make it work. <laughs> Any actionable things that our parents listening could could do? I can add just one one thing, and that I mean, really building on what Lydia was saying before, but but providing opportunities for students to create or students for children to create stuff um, with a screen. So we use um, I can't remember the name of the app. I think it's called Colorfy, or it's basically an, a, a digital coloring book. Alan gets, he loves to sort of get into that or use just like a white screen um, app. 
and create things. Um, he loves making little stop action videos that we can share with his grandmother and grandfather. You know, creating time that is passive and time that is active and finding some sort of balance between those things is really necessary. Video games do create I don't know, I'm thinking of aggressive thinking, but that's not even quite the right word. I'm just thinking of what I've observed in Alan over these last couple of weeks, but it creates sort of like a high energy situation where you need to follow that with an activity that allows that energy to then be released, whether it's running around outside, doing something with PE Joe or like another, you know, online physical activity, I think is really, really important. So finding time um, or finding ways to split the activities up so that it's not just all passive intake of information, but you will, you have opportunities to, to really um, release some of that energy as well. Our kids, so we've got three and five, um, and Lavinia, she's our three-year-old, they um, love watching this TV show called Tumble Leaf, and it's on Amazon, and it's like a STEM slash STEAM claymation. It's really cool, but we will do an episode, and then we will try to like I'll let them watch the episode by themselves and I will like frantically get in 30 minutes of work and then we'll slip out. And once it's over, we'll spend about 30 minutes to an hour. Um, sometimes it can even be 15 minutes creating something that they talked about in it. So like there's one where they talk about suspension bridges and then we made like a mini suspension bridge between a couch and a chair and just playing with those little things, um, trying to recreate worlds that they see on a TV show like we our kids love PJ Masks too so um, using Legos to recreate the world like just different tactile things that we can do that um, or even I can, with the Legos I can just give them the Legos and be like hey could you recreate that that was awesome and they've been enjoying that so just kind of reframing it like see, for me has been really helpful having some kind of you know digital interaction and then grounding it back into the present and our home and our lives by following it up with an activity. And it's also been doing cosmic kids yoga to calm back down. Um, once we get too amped up over something, we'll do that. And they've really enjoyed that. I think that's such an important point. Like, extending activities that we do online in real life, right? I think create, you know, using blocks, especially if imaginative play is so important in early childhood, right? Just that, that like not to give children unending choices, right? To really provide two, three, maybe at max four things that they can do and then schedule those throughout the day so that it's not just one, you know, big abyss of unending uh, screen time throughout the day. Kids get overwhelmed when there's too many choices. The research definitely says in early childhood that you can't just have sort of like a sea of, of everything, right? Like if there's all the toys that a child has out in their room at any given time, they're probably going to miss what's actually there, right? They can't see it. Really something important to remember um, at this time of sort of unending, um, you know, one hour seeps into the next to really make sure that we do give kids um, limited choices about what to do so that they can, they can see what they have as options. I think that's one of the challenges that we have. We started by talking about that. You know, Kirsten talked about trying to find, trying to striving for balance by trying to develop a structure in her own life and her own patterns. Um, I found that as well, where I can't just start the day and start working and then stop when I fall over um, because that will work for a couple of days. And then by the end of the day, after a couple of days, you feel like you're losing your mind and then you're not there for your family. You're not there for your children. Um, so I think 
part of it is that we need structure in our lives. Uh, it can be very easy to fall into this abyss of chaos and disruption, but we need to find and, and impose structure on our lives, I think, so that we can have some sense of sanity or, or normalcy, but then also for our children. Um, so Kirsten, Lydia, I really appreciate spending this time to learn from you as always. Um, in a way, I'm thankful that this has occurred uh, because I had the opportunity to meet and learn uh, from the two of you. Um, Kristen, what are your big takeaways from today? So I've been really interested listening to Kirsten and Lydia's take on parenting younger children. And Ian, I know that you have younger children and we we often kind of talk across the age bands between your younger children and then my almost teenagers. Um, and they, we've been on spring break here and my kids have been running around and they've been creating and working together. And I'm struck by how well they are managing playing together. And I think my big takeaway right now is that I want to go applaud them for that. And I want to applaud them for making choices because I haven't been giving them choices. Um, I've just been kind of assuming that they're going to, you know, do what they need to do to entertain themselves while I'm working. And they've been making pretty good choices. And I, I really think that I want to applaud them for that. But I think if I remember back when they were, when I had twins who were three or four or five or eight, um, I would have needed to really give them choices and limited choices in order to make the day work and have some kind of structure to that day for them, uh, whether part of that day is schoolwork, which they are doing, or like this week where it's just kind of all open play, um, they would still need that structure. So I really appreciated your sharing your experiences with um, your younger children and, and how you're trying to provide some structures for them. And I also liked how you're tying screen time to non-screen time activities. So using one as a springboard to the other um, makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun having this conversation with you today. Thanks for carving out the space to do it. Thank you all once again for joining us. Uh, Lydia, last words? I guess just thanks for making me not feel alone with this. That has been something that like I've seen my friends and people that I know well are that are sharing like what they're doing with their kids. And a lot of them have different situations like everybody's work life situation right now is similar but totally different like each of our children's needs are different our work situation is different our partners work different like situations are different and trying to find that whole one size fits all is nearly impossible um especially right now um so i guess just like listening to kids and thank you guys for listening to us I think that's the perfect note to end this episode on. Everybody who's listening, we know that your situation is different. We're hoping that you can take a little bit from each of our different situations in to find some kind of structure, if not balance, um, just to try to manage it all. Ian, great talking to you as always. Everybody else, we'll see you next time. See y'all. Thanks for listening. Now I can get back to watching my videos. The pellet.